It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Friday, January 7th, 2022. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. The village of Cake reported two new coronavirus cases on Thursday. They're the first cases reported by the small Kupernoff Island community since November and bring Cake's total positive case count since the start of the pandemic to 35. According to a post on the city's Facebook page, both positive individuals are from the same household and are currently isolating. Sitka's COVID rate has increased dramatically in the last week, with case counts nearing the numbers from last summer's surge, just in time for schools to reopen after the winter holidays. When the Sitka School Board met on Wednesday, Superintendent Frank Hauser told school board members that while thousands of districts across the country have been disrupted by the highly transmissible Omicron variant, he believes Sitka schools have plans in place to prevent local closures. I wanted to show you what is happening uh, already around the country. There have already been 3,713 pandemic-related school disruptions defined as not offering in-person learning of one or more days during this week alone. So since Monday, there have been over 3,700 school disruptions during this recent surge. This is quite honestly a very shocking number and up from the last time I uh, referenced this a few months ago. But there's also good news in SSD. We already have a plan in place that worked to keep our schools open during the previous surge. I think we need to prepare ourselves that we're going to see the numbers of cases associated within our schools climb, but we're going to do everything we can to keep our schools open and all activities going. According to the CDC, the Omicron variant is more transmissible in children than previous variants, and Hauser noted that hospitalizations of children infected with COVID are rising nationally. On Wednesday, the CDC recommended a booster dose of the Pfizer vaccine for children as young as 12. During public comment, several parents called for the school board to roll back its mask requirements for students in the new year. At the December board meeting, Hauser was hopeful that by mid-January, masks would be optional in the Sitka School District. But on Wednesday night, he said the change in policy would wait until the community is on the other side of the surge. We need to keep our students and our staff Uh, safe and healthy to keep our schools open. Just this week, there is news out of London that cases there may have peaked. In this country, officials predict the the latest wave may peak by the end of January. So the data at this time suggests a steep and sharp wave of infection, but also on that may peak and decline quickly. Again, SSD's plan is to transition from mass on the other side of this surge. Hauser said the district is already ahead of many schools in the country with its COVID testing program and still has a supply of rapid antigen tests amid national shortages. Tests are free and available for all students and staff on a weekly basis. The vast majority of cases of COVID-19 in Alaska this week are from the rapidly spreading Omicron strain, state health leaders said on Thursday. They said that over the past five days, between 80 and 95 percent of cases screened by the state public health lab have had a marker associated with Omicron. State Chief Medical Officer Dr. Ann Zink says there has been a significant increase in cases over the past 24 hours. It's pretty clear uh, that Omicron is here and spreading quickly across the state of Alaska. 
State leaders expect to report a large increase in the total number of COVID-19 cases statewide today. Despite the increase in cases, hospitalizations have not gone up. Zink says hospitals' biggest problem is staff members becoming sick with the virus. We've been seeing nationally as well as internationally not the same rate of hospitalization and severe illness with Omicron as we did with Delta, um, but it's still in many states an, an increase as cases so uh, quickly increase. So we'll continue to follow and watch this closely moving forward. Zink says that at the same time cases are increasing, the amount of monoclonal antibodies allocated by the federal government to Alaska has dropped. We are very limited in our supplies at this time uh, with significant demand. The state is changing how it's reporting COVID-19 data. It will be emphasizing weekly changes rather than daily numbers. In addition, state officials say that hospitalization and death statistics are more accurate than case counts. Juneau election officials had to reject more than 700 ballots they received in the October municipal election. Some ballots will inevitably be rejected in almost any election by mail because of human error, missed deadlines, or other problems. But KTOO's Jeremy Shea reports that issues with the U.S. Postal Service and local verification requirements led to the extraordinarily high rejection rate last year. First off, the final tallies for all seven contests in Juno's October election were too lopsided for the rejected ballots to change any outcomes. But for voters, or rather attempted voters like Bria Mitchell, it still stings. So I voted in the election my very first time with a mail-in ballot, filled it out, double-checked it, I dropped it in the ballot box. She says she's voted in almost every election she's been eligible for over the last 20-some years. Probably a couple weeks later, I got a letter saying that my signature didn't match. Can I please fill out this, that, and this? That's what election officials call a cure letter. These letters flag a disqualifying problem with a ballot and offer the recipient options to fix it. In Mitchell's case, a pair of election workers trained in signature verification decided her signature on her ballot envelope didn't match the one on file with the State Division of Elections. Mitchell says she did the corrective paperwork and mailed it off. After the election was certified, she got another letter that said her ballot wasn't counted because her signatures didn't match. It's not clear from the second letter if there was a problem with her most recent paperwork or if election officials just didn't get it in time. Uh, made me feel pretty irritated. What I really wanted to know was how many other people got the letter, you know, like, Of the chunk of voters in Juneau, how many people didn't count? You know, 10%, 1%. City Clerk Beth McEwen heads up Juneau's local elections. Data she provided shows election workers rejected about 8% of ballots. Very highly disappointing for both the voters and for our office. She broke down why each of those 700-plus ballots was rejected. A handful came from ineligible voters. For example, people registered to vote in another community. A few people mailed in empty envelopes. About half were rejected because of a failure with the U.S. Postal Service. They showed up after Election Day without a postmark. This happened to some ballots in the 2020 election, when voters paid their own postage in the city's first election conducted by mail. But McEwen says it was a much bigger issue in 2021. Because our assembly gave us direction that they wanted us to pay for the return ballots. This year, we changed the envelope so that it was business reply mail. That type of prepaid postage normally is not postmarked. 
However, a Postal Service spokesperson says there's been a long-standing policy to postmark election mail regardless of the type of postage on it, specifically because so many election laws rely on them. What actually happened was some ballots got postmarked. A lot didn't. But we didn't learn that until after the fact. McEwen says she was in touch with local Postal Service officials before the election and didn't expect it to be a problem. A Postal Service spokesperson didn't comment on the particulars of what went wrong. McEwen and the Postal Service say they're working together again to make sure the 2022 election goes more smoothly. That still leaves another big bucket of 323 rejected ballots that were like Bria Mitchell's. Ballots that had a problem with the voter's signature or the piece of personal information used to confirm their identity. For comparison, election officials rejected about as many ballots statewide for those reasons in the 2020 general election, a tiny fraction of all ballots cast. State election workers don't have to compare signatures with the signature on file. For local elections, the Juno Assembly added that requirement before the city's first election by mail in 2020. It's not clear why these were bigger problems in the city's second one. A state elections spokesperson says voters can request copies of documents with their reference signature and update it with a registration form or an absentee ballot application. Bria Mitchell says next time, she just plans to vote in person. I mean, I'm not like bitter or anything, but I I wouldn't vote like that again. McEwen says she has some ideas to reduce the number of ballots rejected, like making more ballot drop boxes available. Other proposed election changes will eventually go to the Juno Assembly for consideration. In Juno, I'm Jeremy Shea. The race to Alaska is back on. The unpowered boat race from Port Townsend, Washington to Ketchikan will start June 13th after two years of cancellations because of pandemic-related border closures. Race boss Daniel Evans has, says organizers are glad to revive the seven-year-old tradition. We're really excited to come back up because we just want to kind of reignite all of the energy that you know we've had there for all these years. Uh, because we've been gone for two years. Evan says nearly 40 teams have signed up for the 750-mile race already. It's going to be great because it's a collection of some teams and people who have done it in years past, um, like uh, Katie Stewart, who's going to be doing it for her fifth time, and uh, Team Team Oracle, who um, they've raced every year in the race to Alaska, but we're we also got a really exciting team coming up called Rite of Passage, which literally is a, it's a collection of youth starting at 15 and topping out at 19. There's four of them. It's a unique race. In a world where sailboat races are governed by ever more complex rules, Evans says the single-class regatta is a way for people to test their own limits. He says in years past, it has featured everything from rowboats to kayaks to multi-hull sailboats. Registration is open now at r2ak.com through March 15th. As always, first place is $10,000. Second place is a set of steak knives. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. Thank you.